0: Good evening. This is Hunter Combs in the studio with Dr. Peter Hammond on Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. Thank you for joining us tonight. It's a blessing to have you here. And we want to discuss an important topic <clears throat> as we think about where we're positioned, sort of strategically, globally, in the world, in Cape Town, how we have really many different nations converging in. Cape Town. We have people from all over the world, even the closed access world right here on our doorstep. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ we have the mission field on our doorstep. In many ways we have another day of Pentecost experience right here, right now, that we get to go out as laborers into the harvest, not even going across the border, going, getting a visa. We can actually go right across our street in some cases, go to the university right down the street, and we can start engaging people from other nations and people groups and languages And it's such a unique opportunity we have here as the people of God. And Dr. Hammond's here tonight to discuss this with us as we think about the Great Commission, the mission field, on our doorstep.
1: Yes, you know, we so often tend to think of nations as, well, you know, there's 222 countries in the world uh, that's registered at the United Nations. Mm. Uh, So there's a lot of confusion about nation, of course. uh, When the Lord gave the Great Commission... He said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, the word he uses there is ethne, from which we get the word ethnic from, an Mm ethno-linguistic people group, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the Great Commission is great. It contains a great truth. Jesus is Lord over all areas of life. It contains a great commission. We are to make disciples of all nations. It contains a great command. We commanded to teach obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded. And it contains a great promise. The Lord himself promises to be with us for all time. And so a careful reading of the Great Commission should make it clear we call to do more than just share the gospel or witness. Because we're meant to... Proclaim the Lordship of Christ to all areas of life. He has all authority in heaven and earth. We, not just make converts or decisions, but disciples, uh, not just of individuals, but disciples of families and congregations and communities. In fact, the Great Commission commands make disciples of all nations, hmm. All nations. I mean, that includes Pakistan and Libya and North Korea. I mean, every nation. You you can't just Hmm. uh, think of, of, um, you know, we have a missionary in in Indonesia. Well, there's 1,300 language groups in Indonesia. Hmm. Uh, So uh, when when you start thinking about the Great Commission, we need to recognize that the Lord is speaking about at least 16,000 ethno-linguistic people groups in the world. The Hmm. U.S. Center for World Missions, uh, Operation World, uh, the uh, Christian World Encyclopedia makes clear that there's vastly more ethno-linguistic people groups in the world. So if you just think of some of the demographic realities, I mean, this may make you think differently about the world. Do you realize that there are in Detroit, which yes, they make motor cars and they used to have lots of gangsters, but there are a quarter of a million Arabs and 40,000 Iraqis just living in Detroit. Hmm. And there's more than a million Japanese living in Sao Paulo, Brazil, a million Japanese Hmm. in one city in Brazil, yes. In Buenos Aires, Argentina, a city of 8 million, 10% of the churches are Korean-speaking. Wow, I mean, who would have thought? In Marseille, France, a city of 2 million inhabitants, way over 30% come from Africa, mostly of Arab origin. In Minneapolis, St. Paul's, where I've done a lot of ministry, do you know there's 138 languages? I mean, it's a major university Hmm. town. 136 languages and more than 70 different ethnic groups represented. And I've seen it. It's, it's like a massive mission field. You can't believe how many nations you can reach just in Minneapolis-St. Paul if you've got a university ministry, for example. Hmm. And more than half a million of the people in Minneapolis-St. Pauls are immigrants. Half a million. There's more Buddhists, 56,000 Buddhists, living in the Twin Cities than assemblies of God adherents. <coughs> in the whole state of Minnesota. There's twice as many Muslims living in the twin cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul than Assembly of God. There's over 111,000 Muslims just in Minneapolis-St. Paul. So when you start thinking about nations, I mean, bear in mind, do you know that there's more Bulgarians living in Chicago in America than there are in the capital city of Bulgaria? I've been to Sophie, the capital of Bulgaria. Well, there's more Bulgarians in Chicago than there are in the capital city of Bulgaria. And In South Africa, we have large communities of people from restricted access countries like Somalia, Eritrea, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. And if you didn't know that, just go out the streets and you'll find them. The harvest is large, the workers are few. Hmm.
0: So many incredible opportunities. And I've heard of people in the States... uh working with Syrian refugees during uh, everything happening with ISIS and more recently working with Afghani refugees. I mean, these are closed access countries where uh, you're not free at all to share your faith. And we have (laughs) complete access to go and start building a friendship, building a relationship with these people. And so this is something we want you to think about as a listener, that there are incredible opportunities God has placed right here on your doorstep that you can use your strategic location in these cities to actually begin impacting the world for the kingdom of God.
1: Yes, so in missions, we we tend to use terms E0, E1, E2, and E3. Now, taking Acts 1 verse 8 as the um, structure of Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, at the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's basically the structure of the book of Acts, because we see the gospel starts to be proclaimed in Pentecost, Mm. and then it's spreads throughout all of Jerusalem, and in Judea, Samaria, other parts. Now, in missiology, they use the term E0 for evangelism, where you don't have to cross a boundary. So evangelism in your neighborhood, to people who speak your language, you've got the same religious and cultural background as you. That's evangelism. That's not missions. You didn't even have to travel, maybe, except across the street. Hmm. Um, and uh, so that's E0. And they now,
0: speak the same language as you. They have the same culture. There's no real barriers. To and you
1: in your neighborhood. Now, E1 is when you're starting to go to like Judea. It's the same type of people, same kind of culture, religion, background, but it's geographically a bit further away. So that's E1. You've crossed a bit of a geographic barrier. E2 is like you're going to Samaria. Now it's a different culture, different religion, and it's further away. And in utmost parts, well, now you're crossing every boundary. Now you're thinking different culture, different language, different religion, a different worldview, and um, uh, geographically quite a lot of borders to cross and so on. So in missions, missiology will differentiate between E0 through E1, E2, and E3. And you can sort of think Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And so uh, many of us may think, well, you know, missions is when you go across oceans and deserts and mountains. Well, not anymore. Uh, many nations have actually moved into your neighborhoods and some mission frontiers are no longer that geographically distant, but they're culturally different and literally in your neighborhoods. And you can literally uh, be getting involved in church planting amongst Somalians in Cape Town. Hmm.
0: And what an incredible opportunity there is. And not only an opportunity, but responsibility we have as the Church of God to respond to these uh, these openings for the gospel i mean and these are now discipleship areas these now are right across the street from us in, in our own communities we have to figure out how do we actually engage people from other cultures so as we engage in say someone from a closed access country would that what sort of would that be would that be e1 e2 e3 e3
1: well it, you could be doing e2 Right in your neighbourhood because mm. it's not geographically distant, but you're crossing religious and cultural, and maybe even linguistic barriers.
0: Mm. And so you you may even have to learn a person's language, learn their culture. But I think the wonderful thing about the people who are coming here is they're here learning our culture, our language. They're doing the hard work, and we now get to sort of step right into an opportunity of they already know our language. They're sort of learners of our culture. They're they're here to learn. They're open, uh, and you just get to step right in. And wow, here's an, an incredible opportunity you have.
1: So, for example, people teaching English as a second language, it's often a witnessing opportunity because many of the people who've traveled, they're trying to learn your local language. So you can have a ministry by, for example, providing language classes, Hmm. which might even be in your home for that matter. Um, And you are seeking to help the people. I know a ministry, an excellent ministry, uh, which literally would... I have people stationed at um, Jansmuts Airport, uh, Johannesburg Airport, now it's OR tambo Airport, and uh, waiting for uh, people coming in and they're looking at the different countries and they look for people who are stranded, who are struggling, and maybe the people who are meant to pick them up haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. So they look for people who who obviously knew foreign and they they try to help them, try to find out what they need, where they need to live to and so on. And so they build a relationship and friendship eventually and develops. I mean, somebody landing in a new, new country Mm. These people need help and friends and and a lot of good uh, relationships that developed from that. So uh, we need to learn about their language. We need to learn about the culture and their religion. And so Operation World is super helpful that you know something about the country these people have come back from. And uh, depending on what the religious background is, you might need to be studying more about Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam or… Atheism, communism for that matter, I mean, you can have people coming from um, Red China. Uh, there's all sorts of backgrounds: Shintoism. So if you understand the religious worldview that people are coming from, and maybe you didn't know, but now you know somebody who's come from let's say, Sri Lanka, and you think, well, what do they believe in Sri Lanka? So mm. you get to Operation World, you do some research, and then you know how you need to develop further in your relationship. And it can be quite exciting because this is a relationship. This isn't some dry mm. academic thing. And day by day you're interacting, and then they ask you questions you don't know how to answer. You go back, do more research. This is a good way to learn missions. So, for example, what's the point of you just wanting to uh, go to university or Bible culture and learn another language or uh, learn uh, missions theory so that you can one day be a missionary. Well, while you're studying, you can actually be putting it to practice and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And uh, I found it so helpful when I went to Theological College and I'd already had some exposure to the mission field. I knew what I didn't know and I knew Thank what you. I needed to learn and I had questions and um, then I was regularly going out for outreaches and going across the board on my holidays and I'd come back in so much more enthused to learn because I just knew how much I lacked and how much more I needed to learn Mm. to be effective. So uh, it's, for example, say you feel called to be a missionary to Muslims, say, in the Middle East. Well, you could train here for it, but why don't you start interacting with and inviting them around to your home and having Mm. relationships here in Cape Town? Because if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. Mm.
0: Absolutely. And the amazing thing about working on the university campuses as well is people are open, they're learning new ideas, they know there's lots of different cultures, there's lots of different religions converging, so they're very open to just discuss in a more a logical, sort of rational way. Hey, let's let's sort of talk about these different worldview issues. And they can talk about it sort of in a non-emotional way to actually, hey, let's engage on these issues. And it's okay. It's more a learning experience than, oh, we're out there to sort of get in a combative fight or something. You can actually start engaging people, learning about people and sharing the gospel with them. What an amazing opportunity to reach people. And then if they come here and we can reach them, then they can go back home and begin reaching their own families with the gospel. So, incredible opportunities right here uh, for those who are interested. Now, Dr. Hammond, you talked about a nation distinction. Now, I think you would actually hold to people from different linguistic groups. Are those actually what the scriptures would consider a different nation? Can you just uh, sort of unpack that a little bit
1: for us? Well, for example, just consider the fact that we see in the Bible the Hebrews. The Hebrews remained Hebrews, even after four hundred and eighty years in Egypt. So in the scripture they didn't become Egyptians. They were not geographic accidents, they were demographic descendants. And so, you know, the Hebrews came out of Egypt and uh, Joseph, for example, just felt so strongly about the fact of burial and burial in his own land that he wanted, when they leave, which was Hundreds of years later, they took his bones with and buried him in, in the state of what today is Israel, where people can go and visit the tomb of Joseph today. And uh, again, we just see in the Bible ethno-linguistic people groups. And so there's a lot of commands to love your neighbor and to be kind to the stranger and the alien within your gates. And so uh, this is even the Ten Commands, being concerned for the alien within your gates. And so in the scripture, just consider, for example, Revelation 5, is 9, a picture of heaven. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open seals for you are slain. And by your blood, you have redeemed us to God out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So isn't it amazing that even in heaven, our distinctions of which tribe and tongue and people and nation is significant. That uh, there's oneness in Christ, unity in Christ, and yet part of the description of heaven is the different nations and tribes, and every nation and tribe and language and people will be represented in heaven. That's exciting. And that's, of course, an imperative because that's what the Great Commission commands us to do, to make disciples of every nation. And so just to start getting out of this mindset uh, of like, well, you know, uh, we have a missionary in Nigeria. Well, there's 480 languages in Nigeria. Um, And uh, Sudan, well, bear in mind Sudan's got uh, a good 144 languages just in Sudan. There's 27 languages just in South Sudan. There are more than 50 languages just in the New Mountains of Sudan. And so getting, as we've taken in, Bibles for the Krongo people and the uh, Moro people and for the high Ben, And it's so important to know about the Bari and the Zandi. And it's, they love it when they see you recognize, you respect their culture. You've given us the Bible in my language. I mean, these are very important things. So, for example, just think of Amsterdam. Just think of Hollanders. There's Moroccans in Amsterdam. There are Vietnamese boat people in Amsterdam. Do you know, I had a Reformation 500 event in Belgium in, 19, in 2017, and the vast majority of the people at this Reformation 500 celebration were foreigners. Hmm. Majority of them came from the Middle East. I had in Belgium at this uh, magnificent meeting um, people from Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Libya, Morocco, Algeria, Egypt, Turkey. I mean, they're all, and they outnumbered the local Belgians. And these were Christians. These were all Bible believing, dedicated, evangelical Christians excited about the Reformation at a meeting of mine in Belgium. Hmm. And Belgium might say is a tough mission field. There's a lot of secular, Hmm. atheist people in in Belgium. But, uh, you know, you've got to think now. And I, I went to, in Belgium, a service in a church that was uh, all Middle Eastern people and it was Arabic worship service in a very same building where William Tyndale had stayed where he'd been arrested and betrayed um, back in uh, the 1500s. And uh, there was William Tyndale arrested and betrayed in this very place. And uh, I mean, he's the man who translated the Bible into the English. And he had to smuggle the Bible in England because the English Bible was forbidden in England back at that time. And uh, so to think that today... You've got people worshipping the Lord in multiple languages, even from some closed countries, in a country which you wouldn't have even probably thought of as a mission field.
0: Hmm. So you're saying just in South Africa, you just shouldn't think of a nation as South Africa as a nation. You shouldn't think of Nigeria as, Nigeria as a nation, but actually how many different nations are within that yes. geopolitical boundary marker
1: which operation world uh, helps us to in the joshua project i mean these are different unreached people's groups projects which are very helpful and uh, for example um i was at uh, gacaui global consultation on world evangelism back in 1997 uh, in pretoria and uh, george Verver was head of the missions mobilization section i was in the missions executive uh, which was there was a couple of others gathered at the uh, uh, central baptist church in pretoria and uh, he was reading out different unreached people groups that needed someone to adopt. And he said, Krongo, Nuba Mountains. Peter Hammond, you go to the Krongo. You take, you go to the Nuba, you take the Krongo. And he threw me the file. So I get this file on the Krongo people. And um, interestingly enough, I see there is actually a New Testament translated to Krongo. which was translated back in the 60s. Hmm. But the Australian missionaries from Sinan United Mission had been kicked out of the Nuba uh, before they were able to complete the Bible project, but they did complete it since, but it hasn't been able to go back because Sharia law, all kinds of restrictions that uh, one party states, and uh, there was um, um, Al-Bashir's the dictator at that time, so uh, no go, couldn't get into Nuba. Well, next time I went up the Nuba Mountains, uh, first of all, I know that there's um, there's a Kronger New Testament. We've got that being translated, and uh, no, it's translated, getting it printed now. So I go up there and I say, Krongo people, unreached people groups, do you know where they are? And they said, yes, pastor so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so. No, no, I mean unreached people groups. said, yeah, pastor so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so. Kronger. pull out the file. No, no, they're the Krongo okay. people. In fact, some of them remembered the Australian lady who was working on the Bible translation back in the 60s. And yes, there were just four of us who were Christians back then, but now there are tens of thousands of Krongo wow. who are Christians now. And we didn't know this. I mean, this is total news. The Holy Spirit had not filed a report for the U.S. Center for World <laughs> Missions. And... Uh, but they didn't have a Bible. Well, next time we came with the New Testament in Krunga, you've seen probably the red New Testament that we got printed in, in our mm. cabinet up front. And what a rejoicing of the people, you know, and you saw literally, they said, you've made a thousand tongues to sing. And the people were just so thrilled. But again, we just saw how it's a nation. And there's nothing like the Bible in your mother tongue. And so, uh, yes, let's think about nations in that way. we must not just have this mentality of we have a church in that town or something. Do you know, in Cape Town, I've had services in French-speaking Congolese congregations. I've had services in Portuguese-speaking Angolan congregations. I mean, it's all in Cape Town. So, mm. you know, don't think that everyone in Cape Town speaks English or Afrikaans. I mean, there's a plethora. Of, I remember when we used to just go on the streets and we just need English and Afrikaans. Hmm. Now we need almost a concertina file of different languages. And it's a cosmopolitan port city, just for starters. Going around the harbor, you can meet amazing. I've been giving out literature in Indonesian languages and Russian and Norwegian. and uh, You would be surprised when you start to look at how many different languages there are. And, And this is what encourages us. There's so many ministries dedicated to providing the gospel in those languages, but it needs distributors. Gospel recordings or Bible media have got the gospel audio Bible in 4,000 languages. Mm. Uh, we have got uh, All Nations Gospel Publishers in Pretoria. They provide gospel booklets, hot publications, so on in hundreds of languages. World Missionary Press, we're the local distributors for them, uh, they give us millions of gospel booklets in over 100 languages and they produce many more. So uh, the Bible study's got hordes of different translations available. When we know um, more about the languages around us, and we find the resource for them, and we take it to them. If it's on a little SD card or micro SD card or flash driver, there's so many ways that we can bless the people in these different nations with the Word of God, and they can go back. Maybe you've given them an audio Bible, maybe you've given them a digital library, an SD card that they're able to quickly share, easily duplicate, in a country that might be a closed country.
0: Mm. And through modern technology, through WhatsApp, you can actually stay in touch with these people. You can actually continue discipling people when they go back home to their closed countries. You can actually stay in t- You can have a video chat with them and, and continue ministering to them even when they go back straight back home into a place where we could never even go as uh, Christian workers. And it <clears throat> reminds us, I think, of the importance of the Holy Spirit and prayer as we're actually engaging with these people in these nations. As Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we need the spirits empowering, and we need to be engaging in prayer as the disciples were, so that we can go forth with a proclamation. It's not just that we go and, make friends and hope that people see how winsome and friendly we are, and then they'll come to faith. No, there's actually a message that we have to proclaim. We actually have to say something meaningful, but the important thing is that we have a foundation in Mm -hmm. prayer, in the Holy Spirit, that we're filled with the Spirit. You see in Jesus' ministry, just in Luke, uh, just a couple places, it says when Jesus was baptized, he was praying. It's the one instance in the Gospels where it says Jesus was praying when he was actually Being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended on him. It talks about in Luke 4 that Jesus was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he gets up in Nazareth and he preaches uh, to the synagogue there. And he says, He reads from Isaiah 61 and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the captives. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So you see, Jesus' ministry even was had to be by the filling of the Spirit, through prayer, and it's for a purpose of proclaiming the kingdom of God. There's a message that the world needs to hear of the saving work of Jesus Christ, that the world is dead in their sins and without Christ, without the work of the Spirit, without Christ's shed blood on the cross for our sins. There is no hope, and so many people have heard the name of Jesus, but they don't know the character of Jesus, and that's what we need to show them. Who is Jesus? What has He done? Why is it so unique what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary?
1: So it's so important that we equipped, obviously, spiritual preparation, prayer preparation, our own discipleship, our own devotional life, our own intercession, and Operation World really is a very helpful mm. intercessory handbook to get us thinking in terms of nations and people groups and knowing something about the history and the background that people are coming from. But then we need good equipment. And this mm. may mean um, making sure you've always got some good gospel booklets and there's some excellent materials from Where the Master, Living Waters, from World Missionary Press, and you can contact Literature for Africa, and Literature for Africa can supply with a good stock of gospel booklets to put in your um, cubbyhole, uh, into your uh, side panels, in your car, into your top pocket, uh, into your handbag, so that wherever we go, And whether we're meeting people at the shops or at the petrol station, wherever it is, that we are sowing gospel seed and starting conversations. And often you start the conversation by what language do you read? And people just see how uh, white the teeth are as they smile with joy as you've got something in their language, you know, Mm. but, you know, Person comes from Zimbabwe, speaks Shona. You've got a gospel booklet in Shona for them. I mean, gee, the guys will be thrilled. Mm. And uh, later you come back and you've got a New Testament from a Bible. And uh, so having good gospel literature around with you, um, or uh, you could get real high tech about it, and we can help with that with digital libraries. You might have mm. somebody who's just visiting from, say, Egypt, and you want to, um, from. Uh, the um, uh, Chinese or North Korean areas, and now you have able to give them a digital library, an SD card or micro SD card that they can put in their phone, and you'd be amazed what you can fit in an SD card. We can have on a little SD card the whole Jesus form hmm. in their language and the whole Bible in their language and the audio Bible in their language and a whole lot of Bible studies and other books and study materials, and you can't believe how many hundreds of things you can put on one SD card uh, which can literally go with a person – In the phone, I mean, how easy is that? Told digital libraries. Of course, many people prefer hard copies, and we've got those too. So get in contact with literature of Africa or Christian Liberty Books. There's great resources for evangelizing people from many different backgrounds. And the better the material we've got and equipment, well, the greater confidence we have. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Lord gave the Word. Great was the company of those that proclaimed it.
0: Mm. So we hope that for those of you listening This will inspire you to start thinking about what does God want me to do here where he has placed me in Cape Town, in this city, where there are so many different nations, where there's so many different opportunities. Maybe it's something your congregation needs to start thinking about. How can can you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to begin actually reaching out to those around us? How can we, like the disciples who are waiting for the Spirit to come upon them, how can we go out and be witnesses in Jerusalem and to our next-door neighbors? And Judea, to those maybe a little bit farther distantly removed, or Samaria, those from different languages and cultures, or to the ends of the earth that have actually come right here to where we are, that we can just go and befriend these people. How can you be a part of filling that need?
1: And, of course, we have a Great Commission course every year and the next one is planned for the 24th of June uh, through to the 13th of July, Mm. uh, the Great Commission course. And for over two decades, we've had participants of Great Commission courses coming from far and wide as far as Australia and America and Britain and Botswana and Canada and the Congo from Ghana and Germany, from Namibia and New Zealand, from Malawi and Mozambique, Sudan, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia. And the GCC is very unique because... It's a practical, hands-on, intensive training in cross-cultural evangelism, discipleship, and boots on the ground, body-mind-spirit training with daily outreaches and practicals. And so it's a, it's a three-week intensive course. If people are interested, they can just visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org, www.frontlinemission. Uh, sa.org, or they can email mission at today. But the Great Commission course would be a great starting place for a person who's interested in cross-cultural missions. Mm.
0: And so many people who have come have just spoken about how this experience has changed their life, has revolutionized the way they reach out in faith to those who don't know the Lord. It certainly changed my life and the lives of many others who have come through the course. So we encourage you, please do become a part of the Great Commission course if the Lord is calling you into ministry and missions. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And remember, as Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Good night, and God bless.